Today on Awaken to Grace, we continue our series through the kings of the Old Testament. I'm Pastor Chad Roberts, and I'm going to be your Bible teacher today as we find ourselves in 2 Chronicles chapter 26. We are going to study the life of King Uzziah. And friends, I have to tell you, of all the kings that we have covered in this series, King Uzziah is the most intriguing to me. He's the most fascinating to me out of all the other kings. And you know who he represents? He represents Christians today who want to serve God. They want to honor God. They even worship God, but they want to do it on their own terms. This is what King Uzziah did. And furthermore, he's going to take the blessings that God gives him. Oh, how God is going to bless King Uzziah and rather than those blessings making him humble, instead, they make him proud. And you know, that's going to be the question through this sermon for us today. Are we growing in humility or are we growing in pride? And the Bible says that as he grew strong, he grew proud to his destruction. Oh, there's some great lessons, some great warnings. There's also some great encouragement in today's sermon. I'm so glad that you're listening. If today speaks into your life, send me a quick email. I love to hear from listeners, and I hear every week, if not every day, I hear from listeners that God is speaking to you through these sermons. And let me tell you, even though I'm blind, I get all your emails, and oh, I can't tell you how what an encouragement, what a blessing it is, what a strengthening it is to my own heart and my own life. So send me an email today. Let me know who you are, where you're listening from, and how I can pray for you because I love to pray for God's people. Email me at pastorchadroberts at gmail.com. Well, today we are in 2 Chronicles chapter 26. We are studying the King Uzziah on this edition of Awakened to Grace. Second Chronicles, chapter 26, verse number 3. As you know, I'm completely blind, so I'll do my best to walk us through this chapter from memory. If I slip up or make a mistake, you just shake your head at me. I won't see you shaking your head, no ways, so you won't offend me, none. So let's look, verse number 3. The first thing I want you to note about Uzziah is that he had a longer reign than most of the other kings when it comes to Judah. He was 16, I believe, when he came to the... Or no, I'm sorry, 25. No, what, what was he? Oh, you're looking. See what I did there? And he reigned how many years? 52 years he reigned in Jerusalem. And look at the next verse. As we've seen with every king, they either did what was right in the eyes of the Lord or they did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. And what did King Uzziah did? He did what was right. Thank God. We're going to be introduced to two prophets in this chapter. He is going to reign with the prophet ministry named Zechariah. And verse 5 is going to tell us that he set himself to seek after God. And as long as he was seeking God, he prospered in life. And he listened to the prophet Zechariah. Remember at this time, they didn't have 
the canon of Scripture. They didn't have the Holy Spirit living within them. So they relied on the prophets. At the end of this chapter, in verse number 23, we're going to be introduced to a new prophet, a young man who came to, into his office at the end of Uzziah's life. And do you know what his name was? Isaiah. The famous Isaiah that wrote the book of Isaiah. And what a man of God he was. And Isaiah prophesied during the reign of Uzziah as well as Ahaz, who's going to be his son, as well as Hezekiah. Now, like many of the other prophets, I don't have great news today. <laughs> There's a fatal flaw to him, as we've seen, is the pattern of these men. But next week, I can't wait to share with you next week, we're going to be Studying Hezekiah. And of all of the kings, I finally, are you, are you ready? I have good news for you. Finally, Hezekiah is an exceptional king. And there'll be a world to learn from his life. I can't wait to get there because I can't wait to finally share some good news. All right. Uzziah. Well, what do we know about him? He came to the throne at age 25. He reigned 16 just so you know, his son came at 25. That's where I keep getting that. <laughs> Jotham, uh, that we'll, we'll end there today in chapter 27. He reigned for 52 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And here is what set him apart from the other kings, many that we've studied. He set himself to seek God. He paid attention to the prophets. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Now, how did he prosper? I want to show you three ways that he excelled. Three areas in which he had great success. And, you know, as I listened over and over to chapter 26, and I just tried to put myself in the world of Uzziah, I began to realize, you know, the things that Uzziah did in the early parts of this chapter, it's exactly how we want to operate this church. It's exactly the kind of success we desire spiritually. Let me show you three aspects of Uzziah's life that he absolutely excelled in. If you pay attention to verses 6 through 9, I want you to note, and if you're going to take notes, please note this. Uzziah had a keen understanding for warfare. In other words, Uzziah knew how to go to battle. Uzziah knew what it was not to always be on defense, but rather militarily to be on offense. And let me tell you what the church of this hour needs to learn. Let me tell you what the church of our day, of this present generation, of this growing and increasing evil age, the church needs to learn how to go on offense. We need to understand what spiritual warfare is. For the majority of our churches, the majority of our pulpits across America, for the majority of the average Christian... We do not see ourselves on a battlefield. We see ourselves on a playground. And rather than engaging in the war, rather than engaging in the battle, we are just swinging from spiritual monkey bars. 
We're enjoying ourselves on the spiritual merry-go-rounds. And we've lost this keen insight that you and I are engaged in a spiritual war today. And it's raging today as never before. And you know what I appreciate about Uzziah? He didn't just fortify what he had. He didn't just, and he did that. Now don't mistake me. He built the towers in Jerusalem and he built fortified walls and he did fortify himself, but he did what I have not seen other kings do. He advanced the kingdom of Judah into enemy territory. And let me tell you what I'm interested in at preaching Christ church. It's not to huddle up within these walls. My goal, my aim, my prayer, my hope is that we go outside of these walls and we advance the kingdom of God into enemy territory. And that's what this king did. He understood warfare. He understood offense. And let me tell you when the tide will turn in America. Say amen if you're with me right now. Let me tell you when the tide will turn. It's when, there, it's when God's people will begin to pray for righteousness in our nation like never before. When we humble ourselves. When we turn from our wicked ways. Not the world, the church. When we turn from our carnality. When we turn from our apathy. That's when the tide Will turn. And I believe that we are beginning to see the tide turn in this nation. Are you paying attention? Are you watching? If you get my weekly devotionals that go out every Tuesday, you may have saw one of my most recent. In the state of Washington right now, there is a wicked, wicked woman. By the, name, by the name of Jen Wilson. She owns a sex boutique where in the month of August, she is going to host an academy for children as young as the age of nine at her sex boutique called Wink Wink. And are you ready for this? She oversees, she's the leader of the county school board. In her county. May God remove her. It's time that the church go on offense, not defense. The tide is turning. And I believe it is going to turn. The lowest ebb means the turning of the tide. And I pray that we're at the lowest ebb now. And we're going to see this thing change. But it's going to come through prayer. Are you engaged? Are you paying attention? Are you engaging yourself in the spiritual war? Or are you on the merry-go-rounds? Are you going down the spiritual slides? Are you hanging from the monkey bars? Are you playing with spiritual things? Or are you engaged in war? King Uzziah went to make war. What would happen if believers said, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We do not wrestle against this party line or that party line or this ideology or that ideology. No, we go way above that. We wrestle against spiritual wickedness in high places. Yeah. 
We wrestle against rulers and authorities and principalities and this high rank of satanic activity. That's the enemy, and that's what we wrestle against. Can we say amen today? Are we doing our part? Are we engaged? Are we paying attention? Are we praying as we ought? Are we leading the nation in repentance? Hmm. This king understood and he leveraged warfare. He wasn't afraid to go to war. And he wasn't afraid to go into enemy territory. And my prayer for this church is that we are not afraid of enemy territory. Can someone say amen today? Number two, verses six through nine, he boisters the military, he fortifies the cities, he advances into enemy territory. God helps him against the Philistines. He takes on all kinds of different people groups who are the enemies of Israel, the enemies of God. When I read all those people groups, I think about the rankings of the kingdom of darkness. You know, in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse number 10, when Paul says principalities and rulers and authorities and uh, spiritual wickedness in high places and so on and so on, you know, the, the, the Greek structure of that is military rank. What that tells us is that there are rankings in the kingdom of darkness. And that's what I think about when I read the way that Uzziah advanced. And let me tell you, I'll say this and then I'll move on. God's not called us to get comfortable. God has not called us to gather for a 90-minute service on Sunday morning and enjoy ourselves. God has called us to go to war. To go to war. To go to war. And we do it through prayer. Because God has made prayers mighty to the pulling down strongholds. Amen. Number two, not only did he understand and not only did he leverage warfare, not only was he on offense, not just defense, but number two, look at verse number 10. This is the only king that the Bible says this of. He loved the soil. Oh, I love this. He loved the soil. I was talking to one of my great friends this morning, Tater. Tater's just turned 90 years old this year, and we were having a great conversation. I said, Tater, are you having a good, a good summer? I said, what are you doing this summer? He said, I'm canning. 90 years old and still does his garden. <laughs> I think like King Uzziah, he loves the soil. How many of you have a garden this year? I enjoy hearing about your gardens. Many of you have a garden. I enjoy hearing about them. He loved the soil. In other words, he, write this down, please. He understood and he leveraged the laws of sowing and reaping. He understood agriculture. And because of this, God increased him. Let me tell you something right now. God is teaching us wonderfully as a church Sowing and reaping. Let me tell you what happened Thursday. I've been pondering so much 2 Corinthians 9. You know, in verse 6, Paul said, The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly 
will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. In other words, the same laws that God put in his nature is the same law that God put in his kingdom spiritually. When you sow, you reap. And what you sow, you reap. And what you sow, you reap more of. How many of you have sown tomato plants this year? Tater has 40 of them. 90 years old and 40 tomato plants. When, when you sow a tomato seed, do you just get one seed? Do you just get one tomato out of it? That's not the way God designed it, is it? <coughs> and Paul says, spiritually, when you give, it's the same law as in nature. You sow one seed, you're not going to get one produce. You're going to get an abundance out of it. Amen. And Thursday, I was so blessed. Sadie, we were going to Delta Blues to hear Travis White sing. And Sadie told me, she said, Chad, I'm going to pick you up at the church at 5. Because I don't know if you know, but she drives. I don't. (laughs) Somebody said hallelujah. I don't know. I don't know. You should see her drive. I don't know. I think it would be, I really, I think it'd be a toss-up. I don't know. But she is my personal Uber driver, and I appreciate that. But she told me, she said, we have to leave at 5 o'clock. We have to. Don't be late. Okay. She even texted me when she was halfway here and said, I'll be there. Five minutes. Be ready. Okay. Right about then, a friend of mine walked through the door. And he's a talker. And I went, uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Thankfully, he said, Chad, I can't stay. I just come by for a second. I went, Phew, okay. <laughs> oh, he's a good brother, and I love him. Every, anytime I'm with him, oh, he just, I just clear the calendar because we're going to talk for a while. And the brother sat down, and he said, Chad, I can't stay. I have to go, but uh, I wanted to bring something by. And he hands me a check. Of course, I have no idea what it is. And he hands me a check, and I thank him. We talk for a moment, and what God's doing in the church. And you know, the Lord spoke to me Thursday morning. The Lord spoke so clearly. The Lord said, Chad, I want you to know something. I could feel the excitement of God with every fiber in me. I could feel the excitement. And the Lord said, Chad, it is though the church... Everything that you're doing right now, the church, the the way this church is praying and the way we pray for prodigals, the Tuesday night prayer meetings that take place. The Lord said the way your church is serving. Do you know in the month of May, we gained over 30 brand new serving volunteers for just family life alone just in one month? He said, the way you're reaching out, the the things that you're doing in the community, the things you're doing in missions, the giving that the church is doing, the First John Project. And the Lord said, Chad, it is though your church owns massive spiritual grounds. And the Lord said, it's like having acre upon acre upon acre upon acre with seed already sown into the ground. And the Lord said, you just wait till the harvest comes in. Just wait. 
Just wait. Oh, I could feel God's excitement all inside me. And I'm telling this brother this. I have no idea what he just gave me. And my brother said, you're kidding me. He said, the Lord told you that this morning. I said, just this morning. He said, Chad, my wife wrote seed on the memo. I said, amen. Do you know what the point is? The point is that this church loves the soil. And we sow, and we sow, and we sow, and we sow, and we sow to the glory of God. He walked out the door. And Nicole, my assistant, and Sadie was standing there. And I handed Sadie, and I said, what, what is it? And she told me, and I didn't believe her. I had to give it to McColl and say, I don't believe it. What is it? <laughs> he gave a $10,000 check. And do you know what? We're going to put every penny, every penny into the ground. Amen. And we're going to sow it into ministry. And the harvest that's going to come. Only the God who designs it will know. But let me tell you, it's how he designed it to work. It's how he designed it to work in his kingdom. And let me ask you, does your family love the soil? Are you putting anything in the ground? You know what the Lord showed me this, this past, I think it was last week. It may have been this week. I, I'm running them together. A family came by the church. They know Sadie loves tomatoes. They brought a whole box of tomatoes and cucumbers to Sadie. And I thought about that. I thought, you know, you know why we put things in the ground? It's so when the harvest comes, we have something to give away. I thought, now, what if, what if I could brag and say, now, I, I don't have a garden, but I've got thousands of seed stored. Well, what good does that do if it's not in the ground? What's it going to produce if it is not sown? You see what I'm saying? And, and, and listen, those of you that have a garden, do you not have to give things away because God's designed so much abundance that when it comes in, you can't even eat it all? You're looking for friends and neighbors and church people to bring it to? A am I telling the truth? But you know what? Many of us, we can't give anything away because we don't have anything in the ground. If you're someone that you've never sown, I want to encourage you something. Begin to love the soil. What do you mean, Chad? Love the kingdom of God. Put seed in the ground. And you know what the principle is? You'll reap. Number one, exactly what you sowed. You sow a tomato plant, you're going to reap tomatoes. You sow potatoes, you'll reap potatoes. You sow righteousness, you sow godly things, you sow into the kingdom of God, you're going to reap the goodness of God. You'll reap exactly as you sow. Number two, you'll reap more than what you sow. God, he designed it that way. And number three, you always reap later than what you sowed. Later. See, right now, some of you, 
You feel upside down. You feel out of control. You feel like you can't get a grip on your finances. No, let me tell you, don't look at just right now today. Look toward the fall. Look toward the end of the year. Look into next year and begin to sow your seed now. And it will come. Amen. Have you visited my online store where you can find books, music, sermon series, and so much more? I hope you'll go there today, awakentograce.com slash store, and keep checking back because our resources that are designed for spiritual growth are always growing. Awakentograce.com slash store.